You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air and I here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1988 Undisputed Masterpiece. What the fuck? The Nest. That's my that's my cockroaches. Undisputed Masterpiece. Well, no, it's not an undisputed masterpiece. It's a heavily dispute uh, of being a masterpiece. I, think, I don't even think people are disputing it. I think that this is not on anyone's radar whatsoever. You might be right. When was the last time you heard anyone talk about the nest casually? Uh, does you and I count? No. Never. I've never heard another human being say this What's movie. crazy, I've never heard another human being ever mention this movie either. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't remember seeing it. And, you know, all the time we'd spend in, like, mom and pop video stores looking at covers. Never did I see this cover. It's got a striking cover. It's got a striking cover. I love the cover. And I love it like when the the Blu-ray launches, like they use that image as a logo. I like that a lot. Yeah. But yeah, not on the radar. Alright. I might have been exaggerating a little bit, slightly, when I called it an undisputed masterpiece. West Knight calls this a movie. <laughs> yeah, quite, right? <laughs> what is interesting is people have been talking about The Nest. Not the film, though, even though this uh, had a re-release not that long ago, right? Like, this is not an old version of this Blu-ray we're watching. No, 2013, though. 20- oh, okay, so it's not that recent. Not that recent, no. Yeah, okay. People have lived and died since 2013. Yeah, we this, this Blu-ray has lived through empires. Mm-hmm. So... Recently, though, quite recently, the book has gotten a re-release. So it is making the rounds on BookTube. And as I've said before on the show, if you're familiar with BookTube, it's probably because you're familiar with my show if you haven't been a BookTube watcher before. But many people out there would have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. So on YouTube, there's a lot of book reviewers. Right now, a lot of the horror book reviewers, which is a really small niche, really, uh, quite a few of them are covering... The Nest, because it has gotten a re-release from Valancourt Books through the Paperbacks from Hell initiative, because Paperbacks from Hell was a great book by Grady Hendrix that covered all these awesome horror paperbacks and novels and stuff that um, were the things that I grew up reading and, and liking so much. In the same way that I like the covers of VHS tapes in the mom and pop video stores. I loved the cover art of old horror novels in the used bookstores. And The Nest has been out of print for so fucking long, but they've just re-released it. There's spots on Goodreads where people will say, this film and this book are not related. And they definitely are. Mm. The book, The Nest is written by Gregory A. Douglas, which is a um, pseudonym pen name for the author Eli Cantor, which is, or Cantor. That's who this screenplay is written by. The book just has a different name on it. So I don't know why people haven't looked that one extra step to see that they are related. 
They're written in 1980. They're about the same thing. The story in the book follow the exact same sort of storyline. I don't understand why people have such a hard time relating the two. But Gregory A. Douglas is a pen name. But yeah, this book's being talked about quite often, quite heavily. So I'm really glad that we got to get to it today. Do you know much about if the book was particularly popular when it came out? Or is this one of those obscure things that's getting a little bit of a moment or it was pretty popular when it came out very quite a quite popular amongst horror readers mm. and it was coveted as far as used books because once it fell out of print it's been extremely hard to find because people tend to hang on to it once they get it i mean stephen king sort of overshadows a lot of horror paperback as far as that era of paperback mm-hmm. so when people think of horror they think of stephen king but there was so many other authors and so mm. many other really popular paperback books back then that people tend to forget about that's why that book paperbacks from hell is so goddamn important and things like Hey, Little Thrifter and Cameron Chaney, who actually, if you want to see a review of the book of The the Nest, the re-release, then um, he may even own an original copy. Cameron Chaney does a booktube review of this. But yeah, it was, it was a reasonably popular book. I'm sure this was a reasonably popular movie. I really don't know how popular this movie was. I know that it has middling reviews, but for me personally, with The Nest, it was a... a by based off of a cover movie okay that's that's how i was exposed to this and i don't i love creature features but i don't love them as much as other types of horror i feel as though the nest really plays to me a a far younger version of myself that liked things like the nest and mosquito and squirm and so is slug. this a basement view did yeah. you watch this when you were that age eating pizza and the shag carpet <laughs> it wouldn't have been pizza it who knows what uh what it would have been but it would have been fairly young and it would have been from that era when i was watching a lot of the the evolution and my actually i talked to my mom about this uh recently on the phone i don't know what compelled me on the phone i know i talked to my mom on the phone i'm a real i'm a real mama's boy and i like old-timey technology i guess uh we were you should have seen the week beforehand when we were recording a conversation until an old dictabelt so Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And I don't even think you're lying. (laughs) We recorded over the JFK assassination. (laughs) But, but, um, we, uh... Sorry. No, I was talking to her about my my taste in movies and the evolution of it. Because I I suppose, you know, I, I, I have memories of... You know, like my parents getting called to school because there's something wrong with that Wesley. He's drawn a lot of weird shit and he's into some weird stuff. So is this child dangerous? You know, in the 80s and the early 90s, like when when people were well, perhaps they're worse now. I really have no idea. But uh, and and I asked my mom about as you know a lot of other kids and I hate to do that. I hate to be like you know a lot of other kids were watching this that, and the other thing and I was watching this because let's be real, I was fucking watching all the pop culture that was popular at the time like, of course like, you were you're a goddamn dictionary of pop culture for me yeah, exactly right so it's not like in the early 90s i wasn't 
into Pokemon and Power Rangers and shit like that. I was. But also, I was watching a lot of like old science fiction and old horror from like the 1950s and 40s and stuff like that. And I was asking my mom about the evolution of me, of that. And it started, she said, really with you liked monsters. You liked weird creature features and stuff like that. Like Orca and Grizzly and Jaws and like I said, squirm, slugs, that type of shit. And so the nest fit right into that. Mm -hmm. And this actually lends itself more to thing of films like Mosquito, which might be another weird one that, that uh, maybe people don't know. But if you ever want to see Gunnar Hansen with a chainsaw killing mosquitoes, giant mosquitoes, maybe that's the movie for you. Um, But uh, when we were, so the nest would have fit very comfortably into that. So I was definitely a kid that it starts there and then it turned into slashers and serial killers and all that kind of stuff, which, which is where my tastes sort of settled. So there's something super nostalgic to go back and watch these old creature features and shit like that. And the nest has a couple of really great moments in it that really speaks to me as a kid that was obsessed with this type of shit. So like the movie could kind of be whatever it wants, but the last 40 minutes of this movie really is what makes the nest stand out so strongly to me at the same time, it not being the best movie in the world. Well, it's, it's close. It's in the running. I'm sure. I mean, in West mind anyhow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was never a monster kid there. I, I distinctly remember a couple of times when people would say, Oh, you like these scary movies? Let's put on like King Kong or Jaws. Right, King gotcha. Kong and Jaws specifically, the two times that yeah. people tried to introduce me to those, I yeah. was like yawning and yeah, trying to leave and just not into it. And they'd be like, "What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. These are the best horror movies ever." And I'm like, "No, horror movies are when there's there's blood and you know people screaming, usually girls screaming." Well, Fay Ray screams in King Kong. Yeah. Okay. It just, like, it was not a monster kid. But more recently, I've grown to appreciate that Mm. for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I I think that even if you don't like, I can understand, listen, I can understand as a horror fan not really digging monsters and not really digging that type of shit because there is a disconnect to that type of horror in the sense that you look at, I don't know, a giant mosquito or uh, genetically engineered cockroaches, and you think to yourself, nah, I'm not afraid of that. Now, uh, it's like if someone is like an antimophobe, are they going to be afraid of them? Are they going to be afraid of Empire of the Ants? If you are afraid of giant rats, are you afraid of rats? Are you going to be afraid of rats or Willard or Food of the Gods or something like that? Fucking Night of the Lepus, are you afraid of fucking... <laughs> Bunnies or their sharp teeth. It, it, exactly. If you by a bunny, if a, a chance you may be actually afraid exactly. of bunnies. Exactly. Night of the Lepus needs a remake, man. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> James Gunn. James Gunn. I know you're listening. I know you're listening. He liked, uh... The tweet that we did about Slither. Which is fantastic. Right? I really hope that he actually did listen. Like, That'd be nice. I, I, as someone who makes things, I would never get tired of two people saying, hey, I really like this thing I know, for, right? for 90 minutes. But So I could totally understand because I know what sort of turns your crank with horror and it's people screaming, not it, necessarily. Like, see, Cujo is uh, arguably an animal. Like, it's Cujo and Jaws. They're the same sort of thing, right? Yeah, but you have much more exposure to dogs. And, and I would argue that the environment of Cujo is, is what 
is more interesting to you oh because my gosh, yes. because there's areas of that farmhouse that would have looked like North Bay, those old houses, that hot, steamy, stinky summerness, and the fact that you grew up in a household with lots of dogs. Yeah. So this is plausible. What if the dogs fucking freaked out? What if And the the compound nature of what is actually happening there. You've got this child um uh, undergoing a shock, you've got the hot climate of the car itself you're trapped in the car other mm-hmm. people are dead the dog is definitely rabid but there's no one for miles the car is dead like there's so many things going on that it's it's just kind of haywire mm-hmm. and at the same time almost perfectly silent and still because mm-hmm. there's nothing going on mm-hmm. and there's no sounds or anything mm-hmm. plus the color palette for you like all those beiges and oh, browns yeah. and yeah it's just a depressing fucking movie yeah it's, so, and it's yeah. terrifying it's yeah. absolutely terrifying unlike all these other things so like the nest wasn't necessarily scary at all like it's about no. as scary as the fog where I, i'm sure there's people out there that find the fog scary i love the fog but i love the fog for a lot of reasons that none of it includes i found it scary yeah <laughs> but with that being said um i don't find it's people who tell me that they thought like halloween 1978 was the scariest movie they ever saw i don't get it i don't understand i love that movie i love every fucking frame of that movie there is no part of that movie where i'm like Get this out of here. Yeah. But scary? No, it never scared me. There was a time when I found a, a moment of Christine scary when I was younger, but the, I was also that was younger. The, that was the car scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like that's more you imagining yourself in that scenario because of those long walks. and. So maybe and, with the monsters, it is like definitely having an active imagination. It's not that I don't. It just doesn't work that way. Or it doesn't work that way while I'm watching mm-hmm. it. So I'm not watching something like this going, mm-hmm. oh my God, what if? Yeah. <laughs> like It just doesn't work I, like I that. I can get me. freaked out by ghost movies, but I feel it's because uh, it's not that I believe in ghosts some, per se, but it's more that... I, 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 I have moments where I'm by myself in a creepy dark place and then my active imagination starts going. Whereas I would never think that a cockroach is dangerous. You know what I'm saying? So to me, the, these moments where this is cool, it's cool. It's not scary. It's neat to look at. That's why I like it. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I like the, the, the practical effects in this movie as, as jaunty or a janky as they are. In places, I fucking love it. Yeah, and and I think like that's what I think that's why my parents kept letting me watch things like this because it, it wasn't like movies like this were keeping me from going to bed at night. There were horror movies that scared me as a child, and we've talked about a lot of them, but they're so fucking specific to me. In the same way that someone could watch the Blair Witch Project and like laugh at me, thinking that I yeah. think this movie is so scary, and. And, and I'm not not just because I agree with like I don't agree with that because like, I, I, I totally understand. <laughs> but I'm picturing the person who's like, "What the hell, was? Yeah, it's like I was fucking falling asleep in that movie. Meanwhile, I'm like legitimately terrified of that movie. It's scary yeah. to me. But again, that's my personal experiences. Yeah. Like and and so you not being a monster kid, I totally get it. Which is also why, if anyone's curious, I don't force a lot of that type of shit on you. No, not at all. And like even when we're when we're bringing movies to the table that the other hasn't watched we usually do that it's like this or it's like that we yeah. often like anybody trying to explain yeah. what a, a band sounds like what a movie's like what a book reads like to someone who hasn't and it, especially if you're trying to interest them even a little bit in yeah. this goddamn thing uh you know i'm a huge creep show fan we both are but you had likened this to the 
what bugs you or whatever the title yeah. of that bug one, the yeah. cockroach. The one. last story in yeah. the first creep show movie. Exactly. Uh, which I loved and always loved, loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, that, that is a really wonderfully done bug story. Mm-hmm. I find that even in that little tiny short story, it gets to me personally yeah. and does creep me out more so than this entire film. Not that that's good or bad. That doesn't really matter. Just what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is so much more fun. I did not yeah. expect the blood. I did not expect the gore at all. <laughs> so that was a really nice treat. Like, yeah. yeah. And it really, uh, it really surprises you with the direction it goes into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised that it isn't a masterpiece classic of horror <laughs> cinema. Yeah, I think that there's so many so many other people that would like other movies that are like this more. I, I could definitely see people digging like Squirm or Slugs more than this because that's even like cheesier. Now, if they would have made the like the set piece, I'm not going to get into totally spoiling it, but the set piece, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, the set piece yeah uh if they would have made it darker and slimy or more like aliens like me and chris just watched alien and aliens have really got alien on my mind yeah and that sort of like dark and doubly scary because you can't really understand Mm -hmm. or see or comprehend what's going on and all the slime so if they would have made it darker and slimier that might have done it or made it like a little more over the top even like uh dead alive or something like get really gonzo like what was going on in that blender kind of thing you know made it just absolutely off the wall insane then it might have become that masterpiece that that you secretly know it is (laughs) or something but what's this fucking movie even about anyways lydia it is about four years west is a long time a lot can change in four years when you leave a small island for the big city of L.A. and you come back and, I don't know, man, it's just the tourists have taken over. The favorite bar is being torn down. Your boyfriend didn't wait for you and is banging someone else. Yeah. And a lot can change in four years, which right away says to me that this writer doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about because small towns especially island towns don't fucking change in four years nothing fucking changes in four years yeah i think that this was someone who wrote this from los angeles and then said like what would living in a small town be like and then because they have like some snide jokes about los angeles like people who like living in los angeles have never lived anywhere else i think it definitely was i'm gonna have to look up this uh what was his name eli cantor or gregory a douglas yeah, because that, that seems like some inside baseball on it. You're right, though. This comes off as like a fucking Hallmark Christmas movie yeah. in the sense that it's like, yep, Eliza Big City has just come back to a small town. And we made a lot of references to Nancy Drew. And yeah. she behaves like that. They dress a lot like people in those yeah. books or a Harlequin romance. Like, it's very, very similar. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Cantor... I keep thinking I'm saying his name wrong. I'm not even sure. Um that he may have written other genres like that, specifically romance or or soft-boiled crime or something like that, because it really reminds me of that. And it is really like, what else it reminded me of? And why I kept thinking maybe it was filmed here in Canada. It reminded me of Danger Bay. 
Yeah, wow. Man, kids, just so you don't know, Danger Bay was a show that was on when Lydia and I were kids. Yeah. And it had one of the most fucking urgent theme songs I've ever had in my entire life. And here's a fucking true-ass fucking fact about me. When I was a child and I was late for school and I still had to get dressed and get ready, I would sing the Danger Bay theme song as the sense of urgency that was like, and I still fucking do it. Wow. <laughs> I still, when I have gotten up for work and I'm a little late and I got to get my fucking shoes on, I don't always do it out loud. But sometimes I do. Wow. But I still have the Danger Bay thing. That's how fucking compelling. I'm so glad you said Danger Bay. <laughs> That's what this reminded me of through and through from beginning to end. It was the same sort of hairstyle, same sort of yeah. timing, same pacing, same lighting, same yeah. like I, I almost swapping out the actors. Like yeah. there is the the one actor Frank Luz uh, that plays Sheriff Richard Tarbell. Tarbell. What the fuck last name is that? Yeah. Uh, Richard. Anyhow. That I kept thinking, is that so and so from Danger Bay? But it's not yeah. like and and you know, in tech is kind of like the the weird Colombian drug dealers that would always show up at uh, in Danger Bay. <laughs> what a fucking show! What a ridiculous. Show. <laughs> it, was, it was like imagine kids, if you will, Baywatch without anyone in a bikini and in Canada. Exactly. <laughs> that that's a really good description. It's a Baywatch with no one in a bikini and it's in Canada. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly it. But that's what this reminded me of a lot. Like it's it's Danger Bay meets the fog plus Dad Roach. <laughs> Zombie Dad Roach. But yeah. I'm getting way ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah, what is this movie about anyway? Oh my god. Um the eighties. Oh man. The amazing combinations of pink and teal this is this is when people are thinking about movies from the 1980s they'll think about night of the comet they'll think about cheerleaders in the slime bowl ballorama they'll think about sh- and then of course like the new wave of of shit that's meant to look like it's from the 1980s so there's a lot of neon there's a lot of like high hair and weird 80s fashion and shit like that this film is so 80s but it's done in not an exaggerated term it's absolutely genuine yeah so it's not when you look at someone who you know particularly uh, elizabeth eliza uh she is dressed to the nines as 80s high fashion but she doesn't look like a stereotype she doesn't look like Shtick or someone trying to evoke the 1980s and being as cliche as possible she just looks like how a trendy girl would be dressed in the 1980s with the pastels and like those Reeboks and those jeans. It's those particular jeans that have like a, a ruffled top edge. They're, yeah. they're high uh, waist jeans that are baggy. Yeah. At the same time, have an elasticized waist that ends in jean ruffles at the yeah. top. And the elasticized ankle parts, that's the... Which came back lately with men's uh, sort of... I have pants that have pants. those. Yeah. Wow. Woo. Yeah. Uh, woo. All she needed was a bejazzled fucking jean jacket, and that would oh, be yeah. just perfect. But that was the one. This is just before 
that sort of uh ridiculousness and they're also supposed to be adults too so they're not going to wear what the kids were wearing as far as setting fashion in the 80s because that's a lot of what we're basing what we're when we're remaking the 80s we're having like fucking jelly bean shoes and neon bangles and whatever Mm -hmm. a lot of that is kids fashion from the time this is very genuine because it is using a lot of like uh, aquanet hairstyles and a lot of avon lip products and uh benetton sweaters and or tops and stuff and the color palette of coral on coral with pink and peach is a a little more of like a sears magazine look to it yeah and i believe that a lot of the style of the villainous was pulled directly from the pages of sears and roebuck oh yeah she she seems to to walk the line of being a bond villain as brought to you by the sears catalog yeah exactly that's a great explanation for her oh my god but yeah i don't know if they could replicate that look like those hairstyles the villainous in particular has maybe four inches between the top of her hairdo and her scalp mm-hmm. people just don't take that time anymore and that's that's the result of hairspray mm-hmm. you know that's the big thing is like a lot of people don't use hairspray anymore Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel as though aerosol spray cans are gone the way of the dodo. Well, there's a super hold got to be that I see in many people's collections or some Tresemme stuff that has a natural hold. There was one particular um, hair spray that is off the market now, unfortunately, that had the most natural hold I've ever seen. So you wouldn't know people were using hairspray. Um. But yeah, uh, pomade became the thing that many people use, including men. But of course, there's like natural, more natural haircuts that people rely on nowadays, or a little bit of lift boosting powders and stuff like that. Right after this, as far as like hairdos went, people started experimenting more with like side shaves, undercuts, Chelsea's, and hairspray became very, very fucking important, as well as crimping and moussing. So then we went from like moussing and tousled locks with a salt spray, beach hair. That sort of like took over in later into the 80s and early 90s. My sister crimped my ear one time. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. she was mm-hmm. crimping my hair and just, and just got my ear and just pressed right down on it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as the, the legend as the legend goes. But this film has all of that 80s aesthetic. And you're going to get used to it because they take a while to sort of introduce you to these characters, introduce you to, to the the fuck about ways of this police officer and you know you pointed out later on in the film because it does become very apparent later on just how filthy everybody is in this goddamn town but meeting our cast of characters they're just like general fuck-ups that live on this island it seems yeah it's 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 the small town mentality but for some reason everyone is just so sloppy and and i suppose also when we first meet Richard, or Sheriff, yeah, I mean, his place is riddled with cockroaches, and he does not seem to care. I mean, there is an exterminator that seems like he would have the primo job on the island because roaches seem to be a massive fucking problem here, beyond the fact that there's going to be some mutant atomic cockroaches coming yeah before we even get to the mutant atomic cockroaches and and all the other like crazy cockroach happenings yeah this fucking 
place is riddled with cockroaches. Later on, we see cockroaches in the diner. We see cockroaches everywhere. We see cockroaches in, in everybody's house. And no one really seems to be too upset about it. You can sort of picture this sheriff not being that upset about cockroaches. He's got shit to do. He has got blondes to bed. Or pick up from the airport, at least. We'll start slow here. Okay, sure. That's, it can be a little confusing because you have this entire extended scene with him in a diner with this kooky old man and his daughter, uh, Nancy, who is the waitress there. And there's a whole colorful cast of characters and shit. And he seems super into her and then uh, like kisses her a little bit. And, and, you know, they, they have some shorthand with each other that indicates that they sleep together on the regular. And this is the person that he's seeing. And then he's got some work to do. But this work is to go pick up a even blonder, more pastel lady from a, a personal plane who is coming back for her birthday. Her dad's birthday. Her dad's birthday. Yeah, it's her dad's birthday. All right. Which is, they, they have a very strange relationship. So Liza, or Bath Elizabeth, yeah. she's the mayor's daughter coming yeah. home from L.A. And there's, a, there's even another blonde whose name I can't remember. She was the librarian's niece she's the librarian she well i know this much she is technically in charge of the general store because her father or uncle is sick or something like that or her her aunt her aunt is sick she broke her leg okay so okay so she does run the general store she was just bitching up at the library because she's on the library committee saying there's gonna be hell to pay because something has eaten all the glue out of all the books overnight now being a bookworm as i am as you know i am Mm -hmm. a bookworm um, not the kind that eats glue out of, out of books, but many, many, many bugs will rely and feast on the starches in books and the glue for the sugar. I've heard uh, silverfish do that. Silverfish do. They'll drill right into books. A lot of times when you see bookworm damage, it's silverfish. If you see a hole in the side of a book, it could very well be a silverfish. Many bugs feast on books. There aren't particular like when you say bookworm, there isn't like a bookworm, but there are larvae mm-hmm. of other bugs that will live in books. But yeah, silverfish are one. Cockroaches will eat paper. There's a different like patterns to the infestations and the look of the damage that they will inflict on a book. But it's just a neat kind of setup for someone who's like, oh yeah, if you're entomologically inclined at all. You'd be like, ooh, there must be something big afoot if all the glue has gone from all the books in the whole library overnight. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish they would have made a bigger point of that. Mm-hmm. It's one of those subtle things. But instead, they're making a bigger point of all the blondes that Richard has contact with. Yeah. He even kind of uh, hits on Hubbard later in a weird way. Who, I, who wouldn't? Hubbard's kind of yeah. I, I, I like the dispassionate evil scientist. I, I feel like I uh, like her eyeshadow. Yes. Um. When when Richard shows up, he's instantaneously shirtless. Oh, well, well, there's that. But no, he's the the shorthand that he has with uh, Eliza when she is returned is awkward. It's strained. She has been gone for a lifetime. A lifetime. The place has changed. So much has changed. So much has changed, Lydia, in the course of the the decades in which this woman... Where do we even begin? We, can we begin with, I missed you? I, oh, my God. I miss you. I was like, can you even understand me? Language has changed in the time that you've been gone. You said decades. So that's a lie. Uh, no, it's, it's been how long? Four years. Four years. <laughs> four years. And I was just like, what the fuck? We both had to laugh over that because, mm. like... 
four years is a is a blink. Four years might have been long between the ages of like, you know, ten and fourteen. Oh yeah, that's a lifetime. Four years, but I mean, they're in their twenties. That means. Um, let's just assume that she is 28 years old, which is how old the actress was in and around when she, so she was a 20, uh, 24 when she left and now she's 28. I look at pictures now, like now that, that the stinking Facebook does that garbage where they feed you bullshit mm-hmm. from years ago. Um, I saw one the other day and I was like, six years? This seems like, wow, well, I thought that wasn't half that long ago. Oh, yeah. I'm constantly reminded about my slow march towards the grave because of Facebook memories. And Instagram does it now, too. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, really? I want to turn all that off. You know, I'm really getting closer to just not participating in any of that social media. I kind of like Twitter, but Mm -hmm. I guess soon Twitter will start fucking feeding you tweets from four years ago. Oh, my God. They're like, hey, Wes, remember when you had this brilliant tweet? It's like, hashtag, does anyone still love me? <laughs> Whatever. Like, yeah. No, it's it, four years is not that long. And four years is certainly not that long in a small town because nothing fucking changes. I was going to say that. Like, this idea of the, 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 the conversation is that a restaurant is no longer there. Tore down. Yep, four years is a long time. Wow, everything changed. Everything changes in four years. I think that if that restaurant closed down on that small town, it would have been fucking unprecedented. Because I guarantee you that previously that restaurant was probably there for like 60 years. But unfortunately, people do die. So, like, maybe that's what happened in the four years' time. But don't try to tell me that, the, oh, yeah, like, they're stripping this whole place down and they're building condos, which is something, by the way, that they mention later is that they're building a lot of condos on the island. I'm like, condos? What, like, for who? Yeah. I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. They say that there's a lot of tourism here, by the way, during the summer months, and I'm not exactly sure what that would be. I suppose just like people who want to go check out the island or whale watching. Who knows? They want that idyllic countryside. Cape Cod. Seaside where are setting. they? Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. It looks a lot like Cape Cod. It reminds me of it. There's a lot of nautical themes. They do have some sort of tourism and some sort of yeah. industry there related to the ocean. They have a lighthouse, so yeah. I don't. It can't just be. For the seasonal tourists, there must be something more going on there. They liken the tourists to insects crawling across the island every mm, year. That's so encoded language right there. Quite, I know. Right? <laughs> so they must, you know, have some sort of draw. I just like, I don't know, whale watching? Shrug? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Quiet, the damp, I don't know, the fog. What do people go to an island for? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, Fresh fish. But I would not eat at this sloppy restaurant because everything is fucking grimy in this place. Yeah, super grimy. And it seems purposefully grimy. It seems as though they slap some grime on. Now, this I don't know if it's the aesthetic of the, the actors themselves or the place that they end up filming, but it is produced by uh, Roger Corman's wife. Mm. So I don't know if maybe that the king of the B-grade... If it's rubbed off and his wife's films, like she made Saturday the 14th and a whole bunch of other movies I don't even know, but she, I don't know, you'd think being a girl that she'd be a little tidier, demand a little higher level of fucking cleanliness. I don't know. Maybe they were just going for, this seems authentic to me. I will say the biggest difference between uh, Corman's, and you can see where there's a difference, is uh, if this was a Roger Corman movie, every one of those actresses would be naked at some point yeah. during the movie. He's like He had his titty formula that he was very adherent to. Uh, so I, f- I find it kind of remarkable that none of these women take their tops off 
Uh, and any time that they uh, one of them is naked, the man's naked too, and also things are covered up. Yeah, yeah. so that's nice. If so this is a pretty a pretty clean little little film, if you if you have youngins that are into the horror and you don't want them to get into the sexuality and the boobies, yeah, then this would be for you. Yeah, so we can watch people get their heads clipped off, but I don't want to see any nipples. Yeah, not one. Uh. As so often in life, Lydia, if a natural disaster is coming, they say that your pets are the first to know. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you ever see your dog looking skittish or the cat looking a little skittish, you might wonder if there's an earthquake coming. Or a ghost. Or a ghost. You know, oh yeah, if, if this was like a Blumhouse movie, the, that dog would have been like barking at a corner. Yeah. For, <laughs> what's going into the dog? I don't know. He's been doing that for hours. Come on. Come here, boy. Uh, hey, look, I just wrote for you, Jason. Yeah, um, exactly. That, that's your next Blumhouse scene. <laughs> Something's wrong with the dog. Yeah. A West Knight uh, written, co-featured Jason Blum. Now, uh, when... The dog is looking a little antsy. It is because his flesh has been stripped from his body, though. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. And this is uh, the first bit of, like, real gore we see. We've had a few, like, near, like, sort of, like, red herring, I guess, moments. I'm not really sure what you call that. But where you think someone's in peril, but they're not. But we hear these sounds, these skittering sounds in the Mm -hmm. underbrush. And it strikes me that there's a lot of times when they avoid showing this uh, scourge of cockroaches that mm-hmm. are infesting the island. Because when you think about it, like, well, if you have a camera like 10 feet away from the ground, you're not really going to see them moving through the grass. They're mm-hmm. there and you can hear them. And that's pretty realistic, actually. They do use, uh, as far as suspense noises, they do use a water phone, which because of the nautical theme and the island setting, mm-hmm. I found that really fitting mm-hmm. in a way. Like it works very well here. But that skittering sound works really well, too. Mm -hmm. So does this dog cadaver, even though it's, like, really glistening and bright red and kind of cormony to begin with. But then they show it again, and it looks a little more believable, a lot more real, a lot Mm -hmm. more dark, actually. Yeah, some some fur patches still on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty great. That chirping sound that they use sounds very similar to the to the sounds in them mm-hmm. and, and shit like that. It seems to be if you have insects, this is the sound that people kind of associate with it. It's this hollow, almost like, a, yeah, chirping. There's really no other way to call it. And when the dog gets it, it starts this sort of uh, thread trail, this trail of breadcrumbs, or perhaps trail of cockroach poop. Definitely cockroach poop, which it seems to me they used black rice or something. It, yeah, or yeah, it looks like seeds, flax seeds or something. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, the idea is that oh, that's weird, and and good thing that they have Homer. Homer is here as their their uh, exterminator. Homer P. Butterman, exterminator. <laughs> this is like the John Goodman character in Arachnophobia. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a goofy guy. That's one thing I kept waiting for, actually, and they didn't do it that I noticed anyway. You know how we talked about uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown and how they had that goofy fucking comedy music playing behind the cops? Kind of yeah, like, yeah. I don't even know what you call that 
I, I really don't know. Cartoon fucking music? Cartoon, Keystone Cop type shit. Right? Yeah. I kept waiting for them to do something like that with this Homer character because yeah. he was like goofy and walked weird and talked weird and wore weird clothes yeah, and drove like around a weird little bottle glasses and a Hawaiian shirt. It feels like the you're going for a thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not going for like uh, Hunter S. Thompson here, you're, <laughs> you're going for a Keystone Cop kind of weird like you're, it's a he's a fucking cartoon character, but yeah. the, luckily they didn't demean him to the point of putting theme music in behind him when he was on screen. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like the the character of Homer, but he gets filthier. Filthier. Through the whole film. Like some of the things, if you if you dislike eighties, if you need tits in your movies, if you don't like violence toward animals, because there is. You know, animals may not have been harmed, but they sure were fucking terrorized during the making of this film. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you worry that this guy might be in blackface by the end of the film. Oh, yeah. Because that's what it started looking like to me. And I was just like, God damn, you know, there's that sensitivity here now where he should have washed his face just because. He, You pointed that out to me. I hadn't really noticed the progression of how dirty and soot covered this guy was getting and yeah more and more soot covered there's only in the dark later on it's just like whoa what are you trying to do here sir it's not that he's trying to attempt blackface but there's some points where it could be mistaken for that because he's just getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier it's weird sort of like what's that show caddyshack when things blow up and hit that man's face is that dan Aykroyd? Uh, th- no, it's not Dan. Well, hang on a second here because uh, it was Bill Murray. Bill Murray. And then in the sequel, I think it fucking was Dan Aykroyd that replaced Bill Murray who didn't come back for that role. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was Chevy Chase. No, it wasn't Chevy Chase. It was somebody. Yeah. It was somebody. and One um, of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, one of those, one of those people. Um, but when things blow up in their faces and that sort of comedy and how oh, it's yeah. just like black grease on oh yeah face. it's like it's like don't worry about the heat and the and the shrapnel from an explosion it's just a cartoonish looney tunes soot hair blown back that is exactly what this homer guy this exterminator starts looking like after he blows up his own house mind the way yeah the way. and there were a lot of um explosions in this which was also surprising yeah like we've got this dead dog which Sets off this chain of events, of course, with everyone investigating mm-hmm. what is infesting the island. Uh, because the daughter of the mayor has found this dead dog, mm-hmm. accompanied by the police officer, who seems to be just everywhere you want him to be. Yeah, exactly. He's just, like, randomly there. Don't worry about it. Even she- though they've got missing tourists that he needs to be finding right now. Yeah, no, but listen, Lids, you don't understand. His ex-girlfriend's back in town, and she looks... Awful pretty. She does. She does look awful pretty. Not that his current girlfriend hasn't noticed this. Oh, man. They have one scene together. Because it is funny. You set up this whole sequence with Nancy and and Richard. And, okay, this is his love interest and whatever. You you set up this whole sequence with, with Lillian, who is the waitress. Uh, but you... She never has a meaningful scene with that dude ever again. Because once Eliza shows up, it's like that is clearly who he's into. And this other woman was just a placeholder. 
and for four years for four years <laughs> yes that's when you make four years sound long yeah but yeah, yeah. uh the only other real conversation that they have is about her bitching about the new girl being in town. Yeah. Yeah. Really, seriously. Because he comes in to get coffee. I guess she provides him with free coffee because he is a cop and all. And she sort of snips about this girlfriend being back in town. Or the ex-girlfriend. Or now the new girlfriend, current girlfriend, re-girlfriended. I don't know. She's got a lot on her plate, though. She can't just be wooing every cop that wants to get inside her uh, parachute pants. She has got issues with her dad, whom, by the way, she left because her mom committed suicide. And she blames her father for that because of, I guess, how he treated her. No one seemed to know on the whole island that the mayor's wife had committed suicide. And you can understand why, just in that sentence alone. No one on the island knew the mayor's wife committed suicide because he hid the fact that she had had a suicide note. Mm-hmm. But the the daughter just needed to get away, and I could fully understand that. Hence this reading so much like a Harlequin romance. Really. Yeah. Just ins and outs and intricities of the person-to-person conflict is so much more evocative of a fucking romance. Yeah. Or a Hallmark movie. You could take the bugs right out of this, and it could have just been... A weird love triangle plus this chick with her dad and then it just ends up with uh, this guy leaving the island and going to Los Angeles with his pretty smaller blonde girlfriend. You know what this film needs though? Was that? Another woman. Another hot woman. Another hot woman. Maybe not a blonde this time. Yeah and we know that she's evil because she's a brunette. But you know what Lids? I'm gonna pull that back. She's not evil. She is a woman of science. I've been watching uh, too much Aliens lately, so I've got this, you know, she's a little bit uh, aloof, a little bit of a psychopath, or a lot like an android who has encountered the perfect organism. Oh. Right? So maybe oh. she isn't a psycho. Maybe she is an artificial human. I could definitely see that they would be influenced by something as huge as Alien. Like, she is a cane, right? Yeah. Where it's just... Just very interested because there are moments where she seems almost synthetic. Yeah. Uh, not not only because her lack of emotion for things, but also the lack of care to the damage to her own body. Like yeah. she seems to be able to take a lot of fucking damage. A lot of pain doesn't really register. And even at one point, the sheriff says to her, "Your face just does not change. It doesn't matter if I were dying. Your expression wouldn't change." And yeah. she said something offhanded like, "Well, maybe we'll get a chance to test that out." Yeah, which is hilarious to me. She's a great character, not given quite enough screen time. True, and but- also I could say. Okay, so the crux of this plot, so our listeners are fucking knowing what the fuck is going on here. Why are these cockroaches attacking? There is a company called Intech, and this company, by and large, seems to do experimentation with animals. It seems as though this woman, Dr. Hubbard, was an employee of Intech. And they use this island for an experiment. This experiment is the most buck wild thing I've ever heard in my entire life. The idea is 
if you have cockroaches, which are a pest, and they keep going back to the fact that cockroaches are basically these indestructible god creatures from the before time. And <laughs> which is funny. I think I've seen one cockroach in my life, but go on. Uh, yeah, I don't even think I've seen one. But um, when, certainly not ones that look like this. Mm. Uh, when, when these creatures, you try to poison them, as you know, with a lot of insects is that they they have, um, what do they call them? Uh, Microevolutions, because their generations are so quick, they build up immunities to pesticides constantly. That's how come pesticides get more deadly. Pesticides and, get more deadly or why we have to come up with a new flu vaccine every year. Exactly. Yeah. So when this happens, their solution is not to make some kind of non-toxic thing that will totally shut down a cockroach their idea is to make a cockroach that eats other cockroaches and then profit question mark why like that to me is fucking insane is that like it seems harder to genetically engineer cockroaches than it does to create poisons to kill them i don't well, they'd sort of done this with the ladybug thing. Yes. Did you notice a whole bunch of big, fat, pale ladybugs yes. infesting North America the past couple of years? Mm-hmm. I think that was a similar sort of thing. that They had created these ladybugs to take care of a, a potato beetle or something, and they're just everywhere now. And Lady, But ladybugs are like natural predators anyways. Yeah. Ladybugs are super beneficial to the garden. That's why oh. you can buy bags of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have them shipped to you and unleash hundreds of ladybugs yeah, on used, other things. Used, so it's not completely outlandish no, what it's, it's, is doing. No, but at the same time, I feel as though it's a long way to go to uh, a, a, an insect that is an omnivore that doesn't really eat its own kind to trying to change it into something that is explicitly a carnivore that specifically eats one type of bug. Obviously, they fuck it up because yeah. these things get a voracious appetite. A voracious appetite that can't be quelled by anything. Starting with dogs and cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They really do go out of their way to destroy some cats and dogs in this film. They really do. Like yeah. the, the cat scene is like harrowing because it's like, what are they doing to that cat? The cat scene, like the dog scene is, is sad. If you're a dog lover, you're like, oh, the poor puppy, right? And like, you know, it's fake and you know, nothing's really happened to the dog and it's all off camera. The cat scene though, because like after we've been introduced to Hubbard and what she does and the, the sort of loose gist. She doesn't explain their entire end game with the bugs no. till later, but we've got an idea that she definitely knows more about these cockroaches than she ought to. She sets up like this really fucking crazy, almost like a BF Skinner kind of box thing that she's got going on. That's a radio controlled with a door and there's a cat and some like shit, yeah. probably electrodes. I don't know. Um, but they lure these cockroaches to this cat in the glass box and they open the glass box and let the cockroaches in and it has its way they have their way with the cat uh the cat though is terrified definitely like in real life here we're talking real reality yeah they they did something to this cat what's well, covered in 
fake blood. It's covered in fake blood, which is uncomfortable to begin with, but it's, it, they've got its paw like tied down on one corner of the box or something. Yeah, something. And it's freaking out. It's freaking out, yeah. And they're just like, yep. And I was like, wow, okay. All for the sake of the movie, hey guys. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say that there's anything particularly wrong with this film because of it. Because no. there were different laws at the time yeah. and different morals of different people on set. I mean, yeah. all sorts of stuff gets done to animals through film history. Uh, but forewarned is forearmed. Those who really cannot handle that shit yeah, won't like yeah, this. Yeah, you won't like that scene. I thought of several people instantaneously. I was like, whoop, they would not care for this scene. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, that's just this is the way it is. But what we learn from this is she is enamored, Hubbard, with these fucking bugs. She thinks it's beautiful. She yeah. thinks the way that they've evolved is beautiful. Yeah. she And she is super excited for what comes next. Because they are convinced that there is more to this evolution than is what's happening now. Because the bugs are behaving in a way that are beyond cockroaches. Now, we've already seen very soon that these bugs are going to start killing humans. And they probably already have because there's missing people that are propping up all over the island. Yeah, and they seem to be, like, living in little pockets. And we hear the sounds of them, so we don't see them yet swarming. But we know they're swarming around the island. Who knows? Like, the way that they take care of that dog and this cat, like, they could have stripped the flesh off a human if they've gotten a taste for it yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we also know that they're evolving at a really rapid pace. So it could just very well be that they're eating the island animals and the next step is human. So it does create a little bit of tension there. Also tension with Hubbard, because Hubbard does some experimentation in of her own as far as what sort of pesticide would work on these creatures. Mm-hmm. Now, this is under the auspices of the mayor himself. So he knows what's going on. He has a really good idea of what's going on as far as this infestation. They're keeping it very quiet from everybody else. Although... The exterminator on the island seems to have his work cut out for him right now because everybody's got fucking bugs. Yeah. Even the sheriff, who didn't seem to care about the bugs at the beginning, has called the exterminator and is being like, Homer, when are you going to get around to doing my house? And Homer says, I got to go here first. I got to go there first. Mm -hmm. So everyone is having this bug problem. The problem that the mayor and Hubbard are having right now, their bug problem is that the bugs are immune to such high doses of this pesticide that it would take a lethal dose to humans to kill the cockroaches at this point. Mm -hmm. And their babies will be immune to that pesticide entirely. So they need to act fast, and they also need to find where these babies are. And they've devised (laughs) this system in which... They have called people to essentially gas the island, but they need to evacuate the island simultaneously. So, like, there's a lot of things that are happening in a very short amount of time. Like, this movie is not even 90 minutes long. And so, a lot of conversations happen very quickly or off camera or some shit like that. So, it can be kind of confusing to pay attention to for the first time. In between all of that. What Beth needs to do is grab a flashlight and go down on the shore into a cave where her and Richard had to spray paint a little heart on the wall and play Monopoly, because I guess that's what you do when you're, you know, 
teenagers in love in a cave. And then just leave the Monopoly board there. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. It's like, this belongs to the cave now. But she discovers something in this cave other than the fact that Richard still owes her $100 in Monopoly money. Are giant ball sacks hanging off the ceilings. They, what you, they are the scrotiest of scrotums. They are very scroty. <laughs> they are the scrotiest egg sacks I've ever seen. Now, if you thought that egg sacks and alien was vaginal, these are the counterpart. They are testicular. They are testicular egg sacks. I don't know how cockroaches re- like procreate. I have no idea. Me idea. They, uh, me, me idea. Me, <laughs> me idea. Me idea, guys. I have no idea either is the words that I was looking for. We have no idea. Do you have any idea how they procreate? They, they lay eggs. I know that they much. They do lay eggs. They lay eggs, yeah. Okay. So they're not like live birthed? No, it's not Alien Four. Okay. If, if that's what we're if that's what we're thinking, yeah, it's like any other, like a spider or whatever. They lay eggs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder how quickly they do this. I understand that cockroaches reproduce incredibly quickly, and that's the problem. Oh. But I don't know. Um, I I really don't know what it is. Like cockroaches, to my base knowledge of cockroaches is that they're incredibly hardy. They reproduce incredibly fast, and they can eat fucking anything. And also, they can take really high doses of radiation. Yeah, this much. They and, and so they're just fucking tough to kill, which makes sense because everyone else has these fucking cockamamie ideas to kill these damn cockroaches. We got people loading guns. We got people <laughs> with fucking cans of CO two, and I'm just like, just step on them, guys. That is the way to take care of cockroaches. You're huge. Step on them. Yeah. What are Squish you? Them. What are you doing? Fucking uh, Lillian's dad goes to lays in bed while they eat them. Why did you do that? Yeah, that part was quite sad. That's the first human we get to see them get at. Right? Like we don't see the aftermath, but we see him get into bed, terrified of the bugs swarming all around him, and blood starts splattering up, and we hear the sounds of the bugs eating yeah. him. We don't get to see his his reveal till till later, but. That's the first, like, human that gets definitely overwhelmed by these bugs. I think that um, now is a time to stop Nancy drooling around and get some damn answers. But it's so cool to be hanging out in a cave with a flashlight. <laughs> it is that. Um, it's weird to me that that nobody thinks to to check these caves Immediately, because of the fact that that uh, Intech owns this property now. Now, originally, by the way, her father thinks that this is going to be uh, great for Intech to do their research because they're giving him a bunch of money that goes towards the island, and they're trying to build condos, and they're bordering off all this space and shit like that. But if this woman Hubbard is from Intech, which we find out that she is and she isn't from Intech, but the fact that she wouldn't know where the nest is was baffling to me because this is the, the in theory the caves were where in and around where the experimentation had started. Yeah, uh, and we know that because this is the area that's boarded off. It's got barbed wire on there now, and no one ever goes there, et cetera, et cetera. They have a bunch of explosives at the ready, mm-hmm. just cause. Like yeah. the intentions of her father originally, the mayor were sound and he did want to help everybody 
And he still does. So he feels terrible about all of this, which is a really neat little character arc that he goes through. There's nothing menacing about him. No. Although I did think that he was kind of sweet on Hubbard because she is kind of hot and he's kind of a widow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like a hot, young, genius lady who's somewhat evil. Mostly evil. Mostly evil. Dispassionate, really more She's a psychopath. Yeah, she's a woman of science. She is a woman of science. But, you know, we've seen Elizabeth discover these Balsack nests. We know where the nest is. No one mentions a nest for quite some time after the Balsacks. Mm -hmm. Now, I like that Richard is, is like, right up in there, like, what's going on here, Mayor? And then in one conversation just, like, throws his badge away because he's like, I'm not the law here anymore, man. Yeah, and and which is good because it frees him up to move back to L.A. with his sweetheart. Whom he, he just to. fucked. Yeah. Let me ask you this, and, and perhaps this is like a weird dynamic for relationship and shit like that. Would you feel okay with having a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever the fuck, who cares? Um, gender's not important. The important is the situation. Would you, if an ex came back that you did like more than the person that you were currently dating, would you just like start sleeping with that person immediately that's fucking no that's horrible and it's and although i do know somebody who did that but their current person soon to be ex was kind of okay with it because they're like well you've always been in love with that person anyway yeah so when everyone understands i mean it's a little different but it's oh, still and, like yeah and cold-hearted the, it's, oh, it's cold-hearted and also like am i supposed to like this guy because he also kind of like low-key flirts with hubbard at one point so when we just like would you even care if i died we'll have to find out and he like giving her eyes and shit like that i'm just like i feel like this dude would like fuck any one of these women at any given time he's also the only good-looking guy like his ex now yeah puts it the only man worth crossing the street for in yeah. the entire island. So I guess he could just like have he he could have his way with any woman. He could he could sleep with his ex and then probably go back to Lillian, but he's not going to have to worry about that for too much longer because all hell is going to break loose. Everyone that we've met before is going to get attacked by cockroaches. It's true, and I specifically like the diner scene. And if this were turned up a notch, if this mm-hmm. turned into like a Ash losing his mind in the cabin and Evil Dead 2 or, you know, any portion of Dead Alive, if this diner scene would have turned into that, because that's where I thought it was going at first. Mm -hmm. Lillian's like, La Cucaracha is playing. Finally, we get to hear the song La Cucaracha. La Cucaracha is playing in the background. She is saying, she's talking to nobody and saying things like you would say in a diner in a in an ironic and sarcastic way. Like, would you like more coffee with that? With that? Yeah. Or here's just your side fries or whatever. And Have dessert, like that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and she smushes an entire cake. She's throwing meat that is infested with cockroaches in the microwave and they're popping like popcorn. Yeah. Like, it's a very crazy scene and she's definitely losing her fucking mind. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, Elliot's mom and gremlins when she's, like, killing all those gremlins in her house yeah. and shit like that. Or, um... Like, even, like, the diner like, the bar scene with, like, Phoebe Cates, like, like fighting all the gremlins. I guess that this just reminds me of gremlins for some reason. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Maximum Overdrive and the yeah. diner when they're all freaking out over the knife. Yeah, yeah. that's true, too. So, it, so that happens. Um, you know, we got 80s, 80s chick Supreme 101 with her pancakes bringing them up the fucking steps for her aunt. 
who's broken her leg and you know she's just got like those fucking radios on her head and this is one of the this is one of the scenes where it is the height of filth on this island oh my god these people are disgusting yeah like she makes the pancakes drops the pancakes on the floor carpeted floor carpeted floor gets pancakes all over the floor all syrup all over her and syrup all over the stairs piles of pancakes from the floor which is probably filthy to begin with onto the plate and brings them in to her aunt feeds her aunt breakfast at night wakes her her up wakes her up just sort of plops them on the bed and her aunt likes this idea and while she's talking to her aunt she's like kind of rubbing her feet together while she's standing there in sort of a coy way but like smearing syrup all over her feet which is just Wow. Yeah. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. There's no way that you could throw those syrupy pancakes on the ground on a carpet and not pull up lint and hair and whatever the fuck else is on that carpet. Even if you just vacuum, you are still going to pull fibers. And it looks like the dog's breakfast. It Like, they're, they're not solid pancakes anymore. They fall apart. And she just, like, slops it onto the plate. And it's like, here's your pancakes. Yeah, yeah. If someone handed me a plate of pancakes that looked that destroyed, I would just, I would look at them and be, thanks for the pancakes. Uh, what happened to them? Because they look like they've been pre-chewed. Yeah, picking donuts up off the floor. That's basically what they're doing. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's very disgusting. But luckily, soon enough, cockroaches will come and take care of these people for us. Yeah, there's a weird implication from Homer that everyone on the island is dead. Yeah. And I'm just like, is that true? And if that's true, why are they so worried about them spraying the island with those pesticides if everyone's dead anyways? Well, there's a couple people still alive. True. Like, what are they going to... Okay, yes, everyone on the island's dead. Hop in a fucking boat. Save yourselves. Go. Go. Back to the mainland. There might be some people hiding. We don't know. Whatever. Who cares? That's their fault. We never met those characters, so who gives a shit? Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Things escalate pretty fucking quickly because we don't see the chick with the radio... We don't see her die. We just see her aunt die. We see her aunt die, and that sounds pretty pretty uncomfortable. She's got the cast on, and it seems to be implied that the bugs are in her cast and yeah. eating her leg away, and then she just falls apart, basically. Yeah. Uh, we've seen the guy that had recovered the tourist's body, Yeah. that he gets basically torn apart while driving, yeah. and then his truck blows up. It's full of gasoline and dynamite, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hmm Like everything else in this island, because Homer goes back to his house to get the strongest bug. He says cocktails are in the house, and I'm mixing them strong or something like that. Yeah. He has a few one-liners that are funny. Um, but he's decides he's going to exterminate these bugs, mixes together some obviously flammable fucking bug spray. Pours poison all over his own house. Yeah. Drops a joint and... Just boom. throws it. Throws it right onto the... Like, what? He even said afterwards, like, Oh, they blew up my house. I'm like, they didn't... Hang on a second here. No, the cockroaches he, weren't even there. Yeah. Yeah. You were freaking out. You were freaking out. And you blew up your house. Yeah. But then, this is right after Richard has discovered his ex-girlfriend. I'm just calling. I'm sorry about their relationship. I really am, but... It sure makes his choice easier. And she never has to know that he... While he was banging... His old girlfriend, he his his current girlfriend was locking herself in a meat freezer and freezing and or suffocating to death. Uh, fucked up. That is fucked up. That is more fucked up when you put it that way. 
Mm-hmm. And what's his actual new girlfriend doing right now? Chasing around cockroaches with her dad and fucking fire extinguishers because mm. Hubbard has said the CO2 will freeze the cockroaches. Yeah. Again, I, I really think that the easiest thing they could do is just keep stepping on them. Yep. Just keep stepping on Brush them. them off. That's the other thing that no one seems to do. When you yeah. get them on their hands, they just oh. sort of go, oh, yeah, and let them chew on them. They're they w- could brush them off. Uh, are you a fan of earwigs? Not a fan per se. Yeah, one time uh, I was when I was a teen, I used to do the yard work for four four houses at least in and around my neighborhood, like the neighbors two this way, two that way, and one of them had this electric weed whacker, and I hated it. I he had an electric mower too, and I thought it was just. Is dog shit. The, the the grass was a little damp. The whole thing would stall. There's no power. I like the gas powered mower. And same thing with the weed whacker. But anyway, I he was like, use this weed whacker. I really want you to use this weed whacker. I was like, all right, fine. So he was away, and him him and his wife were away. And I grab uh, the weed whacker that was hanging. If you could picture it on a chain link fence in their backyard, but it was underneath a tree really shadowy area and I grab it and the second I grab it and I take it off its thing uh, earwigs just start pouring all over my hand all down my arm and I'm like ugh and I dropped the weed whacker onto the ground and it took it the plastic covering exploded off of it and just the most earwigs I've ever seen in my entire life just flowed out of it and I just became Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. I fucking stomped every goddamn last one of those things. And I didn't need CO2. And I didn't need to throw them in a microwave. And I didn't need any shtick. I didn't need to like do like a Rube Goldberg machine to kill these fucking things. It was just the feet that God and Jesus <laughs> Christ gave me. And I eradicated them. I did what humans do best. I stomped things out of existence. Yeah, yeah. Why well, can't dance, nobody like... fucking steps on a single cockroach in this movie? No, and the one time someone tries to use their foot, they end up cooking the window out of a truck and <laughs> yeah. allowing the cockroaches in. Which is, yeah, yeah it, it just doesn't work. Maybe their feet just don't work like your feet work, Wes. Yeah, no, I guess not. Anyway, I just it's just very baffling to me. No, they'd rather chase them around. Like, do you own a fire extinguisher? Do you have a fire extinguisher no, in your house? I don't no, have a fire extinguisher. we don't have a fire extinguisher in our house either. You yeah, know, we, have we lots had of, like we had one growing up. We had a fire extinguisher in uh, two of them. Actually, we had one at my grandmother's, which was mandated by the fire marshal because she had people like she had uh, the halfway house sort of or. Uh, Group home from psychiatric patients. That's why we had a fire extinguisher. But most people, you know, I've had an apartment that that came with a fire extinguisher in the kitchen in one of the cupboards. But typically people don't have several fire extinguishers in their house like the mayor does. Yeah, he really does. We had in my cottage, we have an old timey one that you fill with water and you have to pump and it sprays. Oh, nice! Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. cool. No, but yeah, the, the, and and he's don't he's gonna sacrifice himself. He for some reason is stymied by the bath mat that's in the way of the door frame, and so his solution is, I'm going to sacrifice myself and let these cockroaches 
rend the flesh from my bones because I cannot, for the life of me, get this bath mat out from under this door to close the door fully uh, fleshed against it. I'm not going to take my daughter and run out of the house. I'm not going to step on them. I'm not going to step on a single one of them. They are God's creatures, Lydia. I cannot... I cannot step on them. I am just going to let them rend my flesh from his body. Like, I don't understand. I don't like I, this. Like, very noble. I understand you were kind of like a dick throughout the entire movie. And like, what's this dude? And he like sacrifices himself for his daughter. Whether he deserved it or not is moot at this point. Because he could have just stepped on them. Whether he deserved it or not. They could have just left. They yeah. could have just they could left. could have just left. Like, I didn't think of that. <laughs> He's got to be lazy dad. And I had said at one point, hashtag lazy dad, because the whole point of getting the light on in the lighthouse is so that they don't spray the island because they've been ordered to spray the island. If there's no lighthouse light, the lighthouse light is broken. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to fix a lighthouse light. And he's basically on his like walkie talkie or CB radio. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just like, fix the lighthouse guys, fix the lighthouse. And he's like looking at the lighthouse out his window. It's like, Get off your ass, Dad, and go it, fix a fucking lighthouse. He's just fucking. He's yeah. He's just on his CV constantly from his office, like breaker, breaker. This is Mary McCheese looking for, you know, blonde lover sixty nine, whatever. The, <laughs> what is cool, Mary McCheese and Hubbard when they were hanging out in his office, they could listen to what the cop was saying about him on the CB. Like they just yeah, like eavesdrop through the rest of the town through yeah. that CB. So it was kind of a neat tactic, but. Yeah, at this point, uh, Blonde 1, Yeah. now that Blonde 2's out of the picture, and yeah. Blonde 3 was never an issue, Yeah. Um, she finally does hook up with Hubbard and Homer. And yeah, and this is our trio, or our quartet. We have yeah. the sheriff. Oh, no, wait, because let's get, there's actually there's some reanimator shit that's about to happen, actually, that we missed. Because, and this is the part of the movie that I literally forgot about. The shit with uh, Eliza's dad, best dad. Um, it's the cakes at Eliza. So that's how come I'm like constantly calling her Eliza. Yeah, and she calls herself Beth. And Yeah, it's weird. Her name's Elizabeth. It's, her name's Elizabeth. So it's Elizabeth. Um, she, before the scene with her father, which I did remember very vividly, I did not remember this cat scene. And I was trying to remember... Wait, how do we get to this? Because this is a logic leap about was he, mean, was he full of cockroaches all the, this the, time? That's what I was thinking of, and I was like, wait, he's not behaving like someone who is secretly an, a minion of a cockroach overlord. Three dogs in a trench coat. <laughs> exactly. So what happens is, is we know that that cat was eaten alive and then left in this box. We have seen over time that the cockroaches for lack of a better expression, have created some kind of cocoon or incubating fleshy thing around this cat corpse. This one does look vaguely vaginal for those looking out for these sorts of things like mm. I am. And this cat comes back the very next day. You thought he was a goner. But the cat came back. He just couldn't stay away. Mm -hmm. He is a cockroach cat He's zombie. a zombie cat roach is what I wrote in my notes. 
he's cool looking, you know, um, very reminiscent of the dogs and the thing. He becomes yeah. something else and is kind of like goopy and bloody and skinless, except his paws, which is so cute. Yeah, and he's trying to like lick his paws and, and stuff. Yeah, trying to behave like a cat and also trying to behave like a cockroach that likes to eat human flesh. Yeah, because he's got a big, uh, what do you call those things? There is a name for those pinchers, but it's pinchers. And he's got antenna. Mandibles. Mandibles. There's there's a there's a there's a weird entomology word that um, whatever. But the point is, is that uh, you have uh, a new, and it's like that scene from Reanimator with the fucking zombie cat, where there, where you have basically have uh, three people in a room with sound effects and a light, just kind of like looking off into directions while this thing's like. Row, row, row. And, you know, eventually Homer does kill it, but this... He basically steps on it. He pushes it by accident. Yeah. And this sets a precedent, Lids. Mm -hmm. An incredible precedent. Because next is Best Father, who miraculously comes out of the bathroom whole. His clothes look a little soiled and tattered, but so does everyone in this town. Maybe he's fine. Yeah, he probably is fine because this whole town is kind of filthy. Or maybe he's not fine. No, he is what could be considered zombie cockroach man hybrid. And all of his flesh is about to fall off. His yeah, body. really seriously fall off. And by the way, this incubation period took like 20 minutes. Yeah, which if- is crazy. And it makes you think about like all the other people on the island that are dead now and dead at the hands of the cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much the girl in the freezer. Mm-hmm. She's probably going to be okay. Don't well, you... dead, but I mean, no, she won't come back. And now you know why the double barrel shotgun was useful. Uh, because she, uh, uh, Eliza, is a woman of action. She is Nancy Drew and all over the place. And if Nancy Drew had a shotgun in one of her books, she would have used it. I would have to read back all the Nancy Drew to see if she's ever encountered a gun ever. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like like Nancy Drew is kind of like the Lilo's hobo in which like she would always just like chew through people's ropes and shit. Very much. Very much. That's a, that's a <laughs> classic Nancy Drew move. <laughs> also, maybe hitting single things with a flashlight. She might have went tunk on the head with a flashlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got the, we got the evil smugglers again, Nancy. Mm-hmm. And then she teams up with the Hardy Boys. With sexy results. Oh, oh my. Of course. Maybe. Yeah. Her and Bobby or George or whatever her friend's name or was. Or both. Yeah. The old, you know. He's making hand motions, guys. Anyway. <laughs> so now we have everyone together. We had skipped around a little bit there. Yeah. Trying to establish where is the nest. There must be a queen. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're all listening to a higher power. They're not intelligent these cockroaches they're listening to a queen mm. so we need to find the nest now you and i know where the fucking nest is because we saw the ball sacks we did but it takes a bit for everyone to put two and two together here it's true and they don't wait like the like the hubbard and beth basically well hubbard won't be like it needs to see the nest she wants to go see the nest and shit like that and Richard thinks that, you know, they should, like, be worried more about, like, the lighthouse and making sure the light's on and shit like that. But Hubbard won't be stopped. She will not be tamed. She won't be told by no sheriff what to do. So she is going to the caves. I don't know really what her plan was because, let's be real, she shows up and is just, will we encounter the queen? And this is what I want to ask you about when 
the characters get there. I love this entering the caves. They're bathed in this purple light. It's very 80s. It's very cool. She's like that. What do you think about the queen's design, for lack of a better term? I was disappointed, I will say. I was disappointed in that it wasn't a giant bug. It basically wasn't a giant bug, Wes. It's not a giant bug, and it's so far from being a giant bug. The queen ought to be the oldest thing in the hive. Yeah. This is clearly not. Obviously not. Unless it's an amalgam. It looks to me like, to give you guys an idea about what the queen looks like in this movie, it looks like, very similar to Slither, it looks like a bunch of bodies were piled on each other and became a vaguely sentient thing, which implies to me that... It's part of society. Yes, it is part of the society. I'm a real butthead. <laughs> exactly. Um, implies to you. Implies to me that these mutated cockroaches were obviously a thing, and they were killing people without really going against their natural instincts what they had been modified with at some point bringing the bodies back to the caves or multiple people went into the caves and all died in the same area they incubated and from a previous generation a new thing was born which then started spawning the super dangerous and ravenous and vaguely intelligent cockroaches while the other thing. So I think the old, this queen might be the oldest thing in the cave by virtue of the fact that cockroaches don't live that long. And, ah. and, and, and what it is now remains the oldest thing by virtue of the fact that the previous generations have died. I'd have liked the idea that other people had ventured into the caves, but I don't believe that that is true. And I, we do see it, them carrying off an arm at one point, but I wish that we would have saw them carrying off more bodies. Yeah, that more like ants, though, at that point. Yeah, but still, they're, they're, they would be bringing things home to their queen mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that it looked cool. Yeah, totally looked cool. Looked scary, sure gory uh-huh but it just wasn't what i was expecting from this cockroach queen it makes me really want to read the book and see where these stories differ yeah i could definitely i definitely agree but like i suppose like for me i am disappointed on one level that it's not a bug but on the other hand it's so wild to me like it's so outside the box in terms of what i would suspect uh, I love it for that because this movie within the last like little bit takes a fucking ridiculous direction. Oh yeah, it's, it's absolutely gonzo, especially with like zombie cockroach dad, zombie cockroach cat. You, I, I would like to have seen more hints that other people on the island were reanimating, but yeah, it does get into very Herbert West territory here very yeah. quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But don't you worry because, well, I mean, like Hubbard gets her her head sawed off by this thing and her arm pulled off. We get a reaction out of there. She's not going to be emotionless as her arm gets ripped off. Yeah, but her eyebrows actually move and she screams a little bit. Yeah, like mild, mild annoyance, you would call that? I mild suppose. annoyance. And it's quite bloody. It's quite bloody. And of course, Johnny on the spot, Richard, pulls up 
randomly and just picks a cave and pops his head in and there's his fucking girlfriend so gets to save her in the nick of time mm-hmm. as the bombs go off yeah i guess they're just gonna spray this island which with that has three people left on it so i guess that we know of anyways yeah yeah we'll kill the wildlife too so assuming that the cockroaches haven't stripped every meaty bit of wildlife off that place we don't know couldn't you just you know, dive under the water and swim away from where they're yeah. fumigating this There's place. a lot of things you could have done. Th- listen, it's, like, this movie is about man's inner struggle. Okay? This movie is about how the man is bringing in its genetically modified fruits and vegetables and animals and trying to tell us hey there mr farmer you're no longer needed here your government's got the fucking know-how money and resources so you can just get out of the street if you can't buy our product man and then like what happens next but they just pave it all over and build a bunch of condos you know where's paradise parking lot just like that song (laughs) that would be a really interesting theory if it didn't end with one last cockroach with (laughs) i like this idea of of like that one cockroach getting to la and that's where like the nest two yeah la la land la la land I, I just like a nest to escape from LA. There you go. Escape to LA. Escape to LA. Yeah. <laughs> the second infestation. I don't know if there's a nest too. Now I want to look. The nest two four years is a long time. Yeah. A lot can happen in four years. That's the ad line. A lot can happen in four years. <laughs> well, I mean, if this movie would have been um, as successful as we want it to be, Mm-hmm. And there would be an S2. That would be the exact tagline in the trajectory. Because there is, of course, at least one cockroach left living at the end of all of this bullcrap. Yes. Yeah, man. No, well, it was it was good. I had a lot of fun with this. A lot more fun than uh, I feared, of course. And even though, like I said, that the um, final segment in Creep Show with the bugs... Mm-hmm. Um, I found like a little more unsettling as far as horror goes, but this was super fun, and I was still surprised by the gore in it, and and the eyeshadow, and the amounts of coral and pink and teal. I think that what you're responding to with the creep show storyline is what I genuinely like. You know, all kidding aside, like I like this movie. Obviously, I, I own it, and and shit like that. I'm under no delusions about its fucking quality, uh, but I will say that this concept definitely feels like. Even though this movie is 90 minutes, you could probably make it a lot more effective if it was between 10 and 15 minutes long as a short. And I think that's why the creep show thing works so well because it really, the creep show sequence really plays on our natural fear of dirty and filth and this invasion of clean space with dirty face and a lot of things from the nocturnal world could be considered unclean. Mm-hmm. And and I think where this film fails is the fact that things kind of start out dirty. Things do, and no one really responds. Even our heroine, our mm. gorgeous little Barbie doll from L.A., 
doesn't even respond. She finds cockroaches in her mother's belongings, mm-hmm. in the caves, in her own house. Yeah. And she just sort of like, it's just a fact of life. You just, you, anytime you pick up something underneath mm-hmm. it, there will be cockroaches. Yeah. Wow. And I'm, she just hardly bats an eyelash, doesn't even go to swipe them away. And yeah. that's how most people behave in this filthy little town. Yeah. And in a way, I do like that Nancy Drew attitude of like, nah, she's crawling in caves and doesn't give a fuck. And she's not going to be spooked up by cockroaches. And I bet if there was a, 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 a dusty old skeleton there that fell forward, she wouldn't be like, ah, skeleton. She would just be like, ah, interesting. Like Nancy Drew would be mm-hmm. if she were to come across a pirate skeleton again. But uh, but yeah, so I really genuinely think that that is where this that was coming from at the very least. Like I do like that, but I totally agree that that's what we're supposed to be scared. Of. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially uh, there are moments in this film where you could think, "Ooh, that's squicky, that's gross." The the cockroaches in the cast is actually kind of like, "Ugh, I yeah. wouldn't." Ooh, you're so you're just. What do you do if cockroaches get into your cast? What do you? You're fucked. Yeah, that's um, like they didn't know how to play that up. Exactly right. I mean, even the cockroach episode of the X Files did a lot more for me in terms of creeping me out. And I know that they have like that last shot in the nest where you have this close up of the bug, and you're like, ooh, look how weird and alien and shit like that. But again, the thing in the X Files that was way more effective was when they had that fake cockroach crawl across the screen as if it would be crawling across your screen in your house and that fucking episode got me two separate times with that (laughs) the first time i saw it and the fucking second time i saw it i was like oh there's a bug oh it's but you know i watch all those in the basement so a bug crawling across the screen wasn't that unheard of Wow. Yeah. Nice basement. Well, it was a nice basement, but at the same time, it was a basement. So we would get, um, not a cockroach, but we, you know those house centipedes, those big fuckers that scurry real quick? Yeah, we my would... last place. I'd never seen a house centipede in my life until I lived in the place I lived before here. Mm. So yeah, those were a new thing to me. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're pretty skittish. But again, beneficial uh, creatures are predators. The, so they eat other things. Like when people see spiders in my home. And they're like, oh, there's a spider there. I'm like, no, I see her. Uh, she's good. I was like, I'd rather, I'd rather her here than silverfish or shit that's going to eat my bugs. Like, yeah. I, I want things that are going to eat bugs. Yeah, we keep a few spiders. Just yeah, for I'm, I'm cool. If I see a spider, I'm cool with that spider. Just, uh, it's, it's fine with me. What do we got next for him? Coming up next, we have another four-letter word, the mist. Whoa, yeah. that means, Lids, mm-hmm. if I'm checking my calendar right... That means mm-hmm. that we are officially starting Stephen King of Palooza 2019. It is Stephen King of Palooza 2019. You can tell from the heat in the air. Oh my God, I'm feeling it today, yeah. man. I'm it's, feeling it's, it. It's definitely a book reading weather. So we're mm-hmm. going to talk more like we're leading into the mist from a, another four letter word and another infestation and another unexplained thing and another mm. man versus God or whatever the hell you were getting out there with. Parking lots, <laughs> but a book to film, yeah, as well. So with yeah. a with a very different ending from its original text of an ending in the mist that haunted me, mm-hmm. and Stephen King claimed was better than his original. I will be reading 
the mist before we watch it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be fun. I haven't watched it in quite some time. I had no problems with the film. I know a lot of people were disappointed by the ending. I wasn't disappointed. I will be very clear, and I'll talk about it at length when we actually do the episode. Yeah. The f- film just made me feel bad. And, 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 and it wasn't doing that because it was a bad movie. It was doing that because the movie was extraordinarily effective to me. Yeah. Where it makes us feel like very insignificant. Very insignificant. I was getting angry. I wanted to, I, this was one of the only movies I can think of where I just wanted to break through the fucking screen and help. It was that. There's certain scenes and the oh man, like I'm, it's gonna, I feel like it's gonna be an emotional roller coaster because there's a lot of things in this film that personally make me really angry and then also personally freak me out. Like it's a, I like, this is a great movie. It's a fucking great movie, is is. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about this. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. In a way, we've had a request. Chris had asked us to talk about the mist he likes this film a lot so it'll be really fun mm-hmm. to watch the mist yeah yeah and that's just film one in our fucking Stephen king of palooza yeah we got a couple coming up and it's going to be kind of hard to decide because we're moving into a format where we aren't planning so far ahead yeah. so we can choose films a little more loose we can uh, address requests perhaps a little more quickly and definitely just jump on movies that are interesting us instead of having to put them at the end of a chain of 10 films we've already planned to do. So Stephen King, a palooza can get a little more loosey goosey this year too. So who knows? It might just, we might just become the Stephen King movie review podcast. That's all we'll do now. We'll just keep changing. There's a lot of them. Oh, there's too many of them. Ugh. But yeah, so we'll be doing The Mist next and I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.